Is the United States still the last best hope on earth? When you consider freedom around the world and all those things essential to liberty, certainly how we spend, invest, and ultimately steward our money would be chief among them. We really wouldn't have freedom without a free market economy. And yet, woke capital is perhaps one of the biggest threats to a free market both here in the United States and around the world. It's called ESG investing, environmental social governance, and it's impacting companies everywhere. Far from the traditional methods of measuring market value and ROI, ESG flips the fundamentals of market value to focus almost exclusively on socially responsible, sustainable, and even global investing that saves the world. It is perhaps the most top-down, heavy-handed, anti-democratic, and un-American approach to investing that is perhaps most typified in Larry Fink of BlackRock Inc., the world's largest money management firm with over $8 trillion in assets. Fink wants to use woke capital to reshape the fundamentals of how we think about global finance. Buckle up because it's about to get real. Kevin Freeman and Rod Martin join the Standing for Freedom podcast starting now. Hey, welcome to the Standing for Freedom podcast here on the campus of Liberty University, where we defend the foundations of freedom, which are life, liberty, and truth for the next generation. Today, I'm being joined by Kevin Freeman with the Economic War Room, Blaze TV, and also Rod Martin, who's the president of the Martin Group. Gentlemen, welcome. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you, Ryan. Good to be here. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about woke capital. All right. This is something that I think we all understand. I have a cup here, actually a thing of diet woke. Um, so uh, when we think about what we're seeing right now uh, in corporations across America, ESG uh, is, is, a, um, is, is basically a strategy, an investing strategy. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that, what is happening with that. And then ultimately, I want to talk about uh, the propositions that you guys are coming forth with, which is LSV. I want to talk a little bit about that as sure. well. And then anything else we want to talk about. Well, let's start with a woke Coke. I don't want a woke Coke. I want a Coke and a smile. I want to, we, we teach the world to sing. We all come together in perfect harmony. This is a corporation, a great American corporation that has decided to purposely offend at a minimum 75 million Trump voters and just say, you don't matter, election integrity doesn't matter, we'll tell Georgia how to run their election laws without probably even reading the Georgia election they didn't law. Read it. Yeah. No, but they made a political statement. Seriously, what a good business decision that is, that you're gonna offend literally half of America with a political statement. It's just insane. That is not a good business practice, and this is unfortunately what this whole ESG movement is about. It, it is about weaponizing individuals' capital and investing them in things that the elite tell us are appropriate and right and good. Rod. Oh, that's exactly right. And, you know, they, if you think about the average American's investments, they're in funds, they're in, they're in uh, index funds, mutual funds, pension plans, all these different things. Those are not really under their control. They're under the control of managers somewhere who increasingly openly have what is, in fact, a socialist agenda. And you say, well, you know, environment, social justice, governance, that's not socialism. That's just trying to be better capitalism. 
Uh, no, not at all. Because the reality of ESG uh, is that they intend to harness your money to their ends. And most Americans aren't interested in ESG. There are a few who are, and, and God love them. The free market will provide for that. They can invest however they wish. If they want to divest from Coke because it, it offended them or, or invest in Coke because it, it sang their song, that's great for them. But when vast pools of retirement capital, especially, are being harnessed for political purposes and not for shareholder value, the first and foremost thing we should be considering there is that that means grandma in the retirement home in South Florida isn't getting as big a monthly check as she ought to. She didn't invest for somebody else's political agenda. She invested so she would have retirement with dignity and a decent future in, in a time when Chances are she's going to live a little bit longer than she thought she would when she was 20. She needs that money to last. She needs there to be plenty of it. And this doesn't care about that. And these people don't care about that. They care about their political agenda. And grandma can just forget about it. She can deal. And, and that's not a hidden thing. That's a very open thing. Larry Fink said, uh, this is in no longer the era of shareholder capitalism. We're now in the era of stakeholder capitalism and getting the return is not our top priority. Despite all of human history, despite all of modern investment fiduciary responsibility where the goal is to get the best possible returns, he said, we're not going to do that. We're going to look for stakeholders. And real quick, so Larry Fink is the president of? The CEO of BlackRock, the Black largest Rock. investment manager in the world. And, and how, much, uh, how many assets under management do they have? Uh, well, I saw one time it's seven trillion, it's probably nine trillion, something like that. It's okay. measured in the trillions. Mm. It, it, they're without question. I worked for Franklin Templeton, which was a big asset manager. It's a fraction of what BlackRock is. So when you think about, so ESG, let's break that down, environmental, social justice. Social, yeah, they just say social. They but say it's social, social drop justice. justice, okay. Yeah. And then governance. Yeah. Okay. So for, I, I'm thinking of two pools of people here, okay. Those who are mom and dad and those who are current retirees. I'm thinking of that pool. Um, what, what is the threat for them? But then I'm also thinking of the younger pool, those who are just starting out or those who are beginning to begin. Uh, they're thinking about, they're in, they're in college right now. Like, what does my future look like? Okay, I'm about to enter into the workforce. By the way, I worked for uh, three different Fortune 500 companies uh, in my 20s. I went through that process, large corporations, and I remember the HR department had certain rules and guidelines, things that they were promoting from within. And uh, already they were telling us, this is the company policy on XYZ, LGBT, all of that stuff. This is where we stand on this issue. I am a confessing evangelical Christian. I had to think about what my values were and my principles, and I did not check them at the door, even as an employee. But I'm thinking about those young people. So uh, let's talk to those two different groups. Uh, the first, the young people, and then to mom and dad about investing. What, would, what advice would you give to young people right now as starting out? Well, I'd start with uh, go to work for a company that does share your values because a company does have values. It, it doesn't matter what company. And, and there's a free market in labor just like there is in products. So, so don't work for somebody that you don't agree with. You, you owe a duty because you are taking the paycheck. 
Therefore, you need to represent that company properly. You need to not steal their time. You need to not steal their money. So if you don't agree with their values, you need to be somewhere else. And, you know, I wish I had jobs for everybody because our company has explicitly Christian values. We, we actually have a statement of faith. We, we adopted the Baptist faith and message as our statement of faith at our company. And, and I don't have a problem with Coke having those values, but if you're a young person and you don't share them, you shouldn't work for Coke. That's stupid. And that's going to cost them uh, some very talented people, I think. And, and as far as mom and pop, honestly, we have a real problem in this country because most shareholders are not some giant fat cat with a multi-million dollar mansion in, in Venetian Isles. That, that's not the reality. Most shareholders are retirees. Yeah. You know, the, the shares may be held by something like CalPERS, you know, the California Public Employee uh, Retirement System, yeah. but it's for the retirees. And if they aren't getting shareholder value, stakeholder capitalism is a scam. Shareholder capitalism exists because as an owner, your grandmother deserves her dividend. That's her share of the profits. She put money into the company as an owner, and now she's supposed to get a dividend back, and that pays for her to eat and to live with dignity. And this is, this is horrible, what they're doing. They're stealing from grandma. Think, think Soleandra, right? You remember this? This is a solar energy That's right. Under the, Obama, scam uh, under the Obama administration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all these federal money went into that. Right. Now we're talking about this on a very grand scale to where the largest asset managers in the world are telling you they're doing something good. What they're doing is, E, is climate change. And they're really putting it into, um, they're divesting fossil fuels, which means we're no longer developing our fossil fuel in infrastructure, which is going to put us at a strategic disadvantage globally. Uh, it's the kind of thing that says we'll stop all drilling on federal lands, we'll stop all, you know, that's a part of that message. Social justice. And the last one, G, governance, we haven't talked about, that is the LGBTQ agenda. It really, truly is. It, governance says that, and NASDAQ has even proposed a rule on this, that if you're a listed company, you must have at least one woman on your board. Now, I've got no problem with that. But the question is, they don't even define what a woman is. Mm. So you could take any male on the board, biological male, he says, I feel like a woman today, and that would qualify. And they really, the second thing is they want a minority, which again, I don't have a problem with, but they seem to prefer a sexual minority, a gender. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a man thinks I'm a woman, or I'm, I have a different attractions or whatever. That's a mandated thing in order to participate in the capitalist system. Well, what happens if you happen to have values that are like your values or my values, traditional Judeo-Christian values? If you're an evangelical Christian, mm. what are they saying? They're saying we tolerate every view except yours. We're completely tolerant of anything except what you believe. That's not very tolerant. And now that's for employment for young people, it's investments. This is the weaponization of money. And when Jesus said in Luke 16, 11, he said, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, nobody's ever going to trust you with true riches. So the responsibility for the investor is, I'm going to make sure that my money is, is faithful in my giving, in my spending, and in my investing. Yes. And that's what LSV is about, promoting liberty, which is personal liberty, economic liberty, security, which is personal security, the Second Amendment, or it could be national security, or it could be cyber security, mm. and values. 
those things that made America great. Give us an example, historically or even in the contemporary, some LSV approved uh, businesses that right now that you could see, maybe some popular examples of that right now, people that are doing it right. Well, you could invest, and, and these were very popular um, during the Obama administration, I'm sure. Again, gun, gun makers that make Second Amendment, that's an exercise of your personal liberties. I would say that economic liberty would include uh, a Coca-Cola-type business that says we're not going to be woke, that we're going to serve as many uh, people as, as, as we can, and we're not going to try and offend half of half the audience. You can have construction companies, the home builders. You could have, I mean, there are a lot of companies that either share traditional American liberty values uh, or just want to get the best return and, and don't want to offend those. Right. Uh, so, you know, whether you see it, but the problem is, is the number, when you see Delta Airlines, American Airlines, uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all of those that are trying to tell the government how to operate and what to do, this is tyranny by corporation. This is uh, oligarchy. This is, this is really socialism backdoor. Hey, Rod shared it with me well with what Mussolini did, for example. Yeah, absolutely. The, the tendency in socialist countries of all stripe, whether you're, you're fascist uh, methodology or communist methodology or something in between, uh, has been for government to increasingly mandate board members of the sort Kevin was just describing, and then increasingly give veto power to the ones that they mandate. And finally, the government appoints those board members and the shareholders have no say. So. In effect, they've taken over the company, and this, this works more in a fascist system, obviously, than an outright communist system where everything's nationalized. But the end result is identical. Right. If, if in 30s Germany there is a government ministry that appoints a couple of board members without whose approval the rest of the board can't act, and then eventually they just appoint the entire board, how is that different from nationalization? You have the appearance of ownership, but you don't have the reality of it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, as far as LSV investing, let's try a few more examples, because this is, this is a ginormous yeah, area. I mean, because really what we're talking about is businesses that advance your values instead of someone else's. Well, my goodness, there's a world of those. So, for instance, back in the day when the steel industry had moved almost entirely to East Asia, Nucor would have been an incredible LSV investment. That's reestablishing steel in the United States in a big way. Um, an Which auto, is liberty, national security, values, absolutely. All, all of those. An automaker in the United States as opposed to somewhere else is an LSV kind of investment. How about a, how about a terminal for liquefied natural gas, LNG? that is going to export LNG to, say, Germany. Well, if you reduce the dependence of Germany on Russian natural gas, you have meaningfully affected the national security, not just of the United States, but of all of the NATO countries. And you've reduced the footprint of Russia. You've also reduced their economic punch, which they're turning straight into military power and into uh, helping terrorist groups in the Middle East and so forth. Let me all interrupt real quick. This is, this is great. Let me interrupt. That requires thinking. That requires understanding, studying, knowing the facts, knowing the information. You don't just arrive to that. What you just gave is like three-dimensional chest, the example that you just gave. Now, naturally, 
when you when you're at a certain age, you your mind starts to operate and think a certain way. As a young person, you're thinking, ah, just I like this product, I like that product, I like what this product does, I like the the optics and the image that come with, you know. Holding this product, if I hold a Starbucks in my hand, if I open up my MacBook or whatever, uh, the the AirPods are really popular right mm -hmm. now, right? Those are the, those are the things that people, young people, are seen with. But there's all these other things that go along with that. Who is receiving the money on the other end? What does it go and uh, ultimately to benefit? Mm -hmm. What values right. ultimately are being supported? when you purchase that product. I think about this summer, mm -hmm. Goya Foods, right? Yeah, yeah. AOC was employee of the month by trying to, to boycott Goya. <laughs> Absolutely. And Goya sales went through the roof, right? My Pillow. My Pillow, Mike Lindell. Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A, yes. Uh, back when the Kathy family was being persecuted uh, for their values. This was just a few years ago. So I, I didn't mean well, to I didn't interrupt your rhythm and flow, but these are things that... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's not just that. I mean, take the LNG plant or terminal example. It's not just that the job is in America or the energy's coming from America or you know all the obvious things. From a product, it's also does the product exist in the market? So in two easy dimensions there are more but but first if you care about the environment you should like natural gas. The reason America's carbon footprint which honestly I, I don't think the way a lot of people do on that, but, but nevertheless, if you really care about America's carbon footprint, it has gone through the floor while all of our Western allies who talk about environmentalism constantly have had their carbon footprint go through the ceiling. Ours is dropping over the last several years because we've switched so much of our energy production from coal to natural gas. Natural gas releases far less carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, and so America's actually reducing its carbon footprint. But so we've done that, that without, without the ESG. The right. ESG exactly. did not invest in natural gas. Yeah. They they would not go there. Yeah. And so we, in fact, they've divested from fossil. They're fuels. opposed to fossil fuels because yes. oh, this is evil. Well, excuse me. We just did exactly what you said you were doing, but none of you have done. Moreover, the other thing, the mere fact that that product exists in the market means that again, Germany, mm -hmm. for example, has an option to move away from Russian natural gas, which is enriching Vladimir Putin. Liberals claim to care about that, but they obviously don't because they're leaving Germany completely dependent on the guy they think is the focus of all evil in the world. Well, how about we sell him the natural gas, complete Keystone XL, make more LNG, ship it to Europe, and now America is an exporter, we have more jobs here, we're taking care of our poor better, and Germany isn't dependent on Vladimir Putin. This isn't rocket science. Yeah. And, and uh, one last thing on that, 20-somethings don't have to be blind to this. When we were building PayPal, the average age of our team when we did our IPO was 23 years old. And the, one of the biggest reasons we started PayPal, honestly, it was, was we had seen the devaluations in Mexico and in Argentina. And there was a real desire among, I will admit, a, a relatively nerdy capitalist bunch to see that poor people 
in foreign countries had a way to have an offshore account for free that their government couldn't steal. There you go. And PayPal yeah. created go. that. Now, yeah. you have that perhaps in better forms now with Bitcoin and other things, but that didn't exist for anybody in 1990, and governments were stealing people blind right and left. Mm -hmm. They destroyed the middle class in Mexico with a devaluation that Al Gore bragged about. Right. And it was shameful. It was, it was just theft, and it was evil, and it was wrong. I got to do my Al Gore impersonation. Uh, but you remember the hanging Chad in Florida? You remember the right. SNL skits? I forget who it was, but... Uh, you know, I was like six, 15, 16 years old when all that was going on. I just remember SNL, every Saturday night you'd watch it and something else, Al Gore would make a fool of himself, but it'd be, I'm, I'm former Vice President Al Gore and I, I invented the internet. So there you go. <laughs> but you I'll know what, he's on there. the board of Apple. Yeah. And here's a point is every year there is a mass election in the United States it is in the equivalent of a red state where the vast majority of the ownership, the votes, reside with conservative people. And every year we lose that election horribly. And that a perfect example is Apple, um, largest company in the world. There's a proxy vote, the ownership votes, and Al Gore gets like 99% of the vote every time. Now, if you wanna see Apple Corporation go in a different direction politically, yeah then you should change the board of directors and you can do that with your proxy votes. What we need though is to make this work and what, what Rod and I are doing is we need help from advisors. Okay. The average American doesn't have Let's time. talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about that. So um, when, when people are out there right now and your typical retail investor, what are the options? What are they, the average investor that's looking to retire? What are, they, what, are they, what are the products that are available to them right now? And then what is this? Well, there's a whole slew of products. There's conservative products, there are biblically based products, there are leftist products. There are a whole slew of products available, but there's no one there explaining to them how do you pick and choose. Now, if you're a believer, if you're Christian, you've got two choices, salt or light. Your money needs to be used for the kingdom purpose. That's clear from scripture. So are, are you going to take a salt approach, which is I'm going to get in there and agitate and I'm going to get what I want by, by standing up and voting my proxies, or am I going to just divest and I'm going to come out of the world and I'm not going to have anything to do with it? And both are legitimate at, at their various times. I mean, I don't want to invest. If we're talking an abortion provider, I'm not investing in that. If that's their primary business, I don't care how good their business is. That's not something I want to own or participate and face my Lord and say, yeah, I invested in an abortion provider. Look at the good returns I got. No, no. So you just divest from that. But Coca-Cola, you might step in and say, I want to vote the proxy, but the average person doesn't know how to do that. So they need to go to their financial advisor. And there's a whole lot of financial advisors out there looking for new clients. And one of the things that we're doing is training advisors to provide LSV, to invest in those things using a salt and light approach, to take on the proxy voting on behalf of their clients. And that's something that I do for my clients in my financial planning background. And train, train people to invest and find the LNG port or to find the upcoming PayPal. Or, because what happens is conservatives will start these businesses yeah. and then we're, we'll sell them off. And the next thing you know, they're woke and working against our values. And that's because the general population is so uneducated to, as to understand that corporations are, are really going along with the world system. Yes.
Absolutely. So f some, some kind of uh, final thoughts. Well, before we get to final thoughts, I want to talk about one more thing. We were in a conversation, it was, just, it was just yesterday, and I found this fascinating. I want to repeat this again because I think the listeners, uh, viewers would love this. Um, we were talking about the difference between if I take a, a, a small uh, container like this, roughly 12 fluid ounces, okay, and, and, and currently this, it's got Coke product, okay, right. so this is, this, is a, this is a Diet Coke. But I also took one and I put it right as, uh, you know, aside from that, and we actually had 12 ounces, 12 fluid ounces of uh, gasoline that had been gone, undergone refinement, right, uh, and, uh, you know, number 92 at the pump, right, and uh, you filled it up. The value, what I would pay for this Coke product versus what I would pay uh, for, you know, for that, uh, for that gasoline, much different in price, okay? And there's an economic lesson in this. I, I think about the old Adam Smith, you know, lesson about the thimble, uh, and then how much goes into that, right, in the, in the processing. But I, I think this is especially for a younger crowd, just to think about the differences, the disparities, if you will, between uh, what you would pay at a Starbucks, $3, $6, for some sugar in uh, some ground up coffee bean and basically what is 99.98% water, right? right? Uh, and you're paying anywhere from 3 to $6 for that. Hey, I don't fault that. That's capitalism at work, marketing at work. Right. But when you think about what's coming out of that pump and all the processes to get it there, and you're paying anywhere from 235 to 285 depending on if you're in New York, California, or the state of Kentucky or Texas, right? There's different right. taxes. Right, and of tax, you're yeah. paying, let's say, $2.5 right. for a gallon. right. That is not a gallon. That's not a gallon. That's one tenth of a gallon. Right. And so, so the, you multiply that by ten, and it's thirty, yeah, that, forty dollars. Yes. Yes. And so it's now, yeah, at that rate, and that's gonna yeah. that's gonna fuel you and quench your thirst for for fifteen minutes. Right. That uh, gallon of gas is going to take your automobile, multi-thousand pound automobile, and move it uh, twenty or thirty or forty miles. Right. I mean, can you imagine how valuable that is? If you've got a load of things that you're trying to carry, right? Carry it one mile, would you pay 20 bucks to carry it one mile? We're talking pay $2.50 and carry thousands of pounds 30 miles. How valuable is that? How much is that improving our efficiency as a people? I mean, fossil fuels have been a great, where, where um, gasoline has been applied in civilization has taken us so far. We're able to accomplish so much because we have that wonderful invention. But ESG, what we started off talking about, That's right. we'd say divest, don't own that, don't have anything to do with it. So what's that gonna mean? It's gonna mean we're not gonna produce fossil fuels in the United States. We're not gonna develop any of the, uh, the natural resources that we have, which means we're just gonna say to a bunch of landowners and property owners, hey, that value you've got in the ground, you can't have that. Mm. You're not allowed to have that. But in, instead of clean, uh, developing it using clean US standards, mm -hmm. it will be developed yeah. by the Middle East, by China, by Africa and other places that do not have our environmental standards. The globe is worse off. Mm. We will pay more for it and we will get less from it. Yes. That's the bottom line. That's, that's what this woke investing is doing. They're punishing 
basically Americans. It's well, socialism. And not just Americans. Let's put that in the context of the African Development Summit we're here for. Yes. Okay. By the you way, know. context for those who are listening, right now at Liberty University, there's an Equity for Africa Summit. Equity in terms of economic uh, investiture, uh, development, all of that, venture capital. When you think about the development of nations, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about woke equity. No. Uh, but, uh, but, but go go along with that. But yeah. we are increasingly I think callous in this country toward the interests of that retiree. Oh well, okay, boomer. You know we don't care that she's 80 and that she lives on very little per month. We don't care about that. And if we if we think about it, we think, well, we'll just raise Social Security. No, she actually had retirement planning. She actually is counting on her plan. And I don't see Social Security going up a lot. Joe Biden is very interested in spending money on literally everything except that, it would seem. So, so if we're going to be callous toward the widow in, in the United States or the farmer because, oh, well, maybe he used a GMO crop or you know, all these stupid things that we get focused on instead of the human dimension. Okay, let's talk about some humans that perhaps some 20-somethings and, and other Americans can relate to, oddly, a little more. How about the African who lives in a village where there's no electricity? Right. Your Tesla doesn't help there. Now, I'm all about Tesla. I love Elon Musk to death. I think he's great. Love what they're doing. It's wonderful technology not least because it diversifies the energy mix necessary to maintain an auto fleet in a Western developed country. You just That's said it. Great. Yeah, right. That's great. That's a national right. security issue, actually. Right. So right. Tesla would be an LSV investment at the same time that it's an ESG investment. <laughs> Absolutely. No question. But if you're in the African village, yeah. I'm sorry, you don't have an electrical grid. You don't have something to plug your Tesla into. You don't have the things that we take for granted here. And all these people want to talk about helping out humanity. Okay, um, unless you have gasoline, you can't get them a grocery store. If it's not gasoline, then it's diesel. Fine. Either way, came from oil. If you don't have that infrastructure in place, they can't even have a grocery store, much less groceries in it, because there's no way to get the stuff there. Oh, well, they can just go to a city. Really? How are they going to get there? Walk? Because you didn't bother to build them a road. You know, those awful asphalt ribbons that are so horrendous. No, excuse me. That's how people actually have a future that is as good as yours, you ungrateful covetous people who see nothing but your own little selves. This is how the world escaped poverty. 94% of humanity lived on less than a dollar a day in constant dollars in 1800. And we've almost flipped that number. And that is entirely because of oil. Yeah. And electricity and power plants and all of the things that and made modernity markets. possible, none of which would have been possible without private property and free markets. These things contributed to the alleviation of the grinding poverty that at the beginning of even the 20th century meant the average life expectancy of a person, even in America, was 47 years. 
And now we're talking over 80, and now we're seeing breakthroughs that could get that up to 100 or even greater. These things all come from the technologies that we just callously and I think stupidly right. constantly decry. And you say, well, we can do it better and we can do it cleaner. Hooray! I am completely for that. But don't leave out the people who have nothing, who need diesel, yes. who need trucks and roads and need you to be able to build a hospital for their town. And by the way, a school and all these other things that turn out to actually need air conditioning. And yeah. if you don't think that some student in Tanzania near the equator needs an air conditioner to learn as well as some privileged little white kid in Connecticut, you're crazy. I yeah. live in Florida. We're nowhere near the equator and we need AC. I mean, there's no getting around it. All of these things are essential to not just development, but to human development, to some little kid in the Congo having the same chance as some little kid in New York. And that is what we're talking about. These things matter, these technologies matter, and we are desperately, it seems, through ESG in particular, trying to leave behind a world of people who just happen to be the most underprivileged people in the world. Yeah. It is so ironic, and it brings me back to the point, and I'll hush here, but I will say what I always say, which is that socialism is a marketing scam. Yeah. It's not about alleviating poverty, and it hasn't alleviated any poverty anywhere in the world. And if you bother to pick up a history book for 10 minutes that wasn't written by Howard Zinn, it's perfectly obvious this is true. The reality is that socialism has induced tremendous suffering and poverty and hopelessness everywhere it has been tried. And the reason is it wasn't intended to do otherwise. Socialism promises you the moon and gives you moon pies because it wasn't actually intended for economic development at all. It wasn't actually intended for individual development at all. It was intended to collectivize everybody into a group easy to rule by an elite because Karl Marx and Frederick Engels sat in the British Library and figured out a scheme by which they could replace the aristocracy that ruled most of the world at the time in 1848, the year of revolutions, and replace that aristocracy with a new one composed of them. Yeah. And that's what it's always been. And the woke version of socialism that we're dealing with now is identical. It exists entirely for the same purpose. We will set up a new elite. They will control your money through ESG investing. They will control your government through court packing. They will do all the things that every other socialist has ever done. They'll just put new labels on it. So now we have we have the privileged and we have you know all these different groups who are oppressed and so forth. But it's just the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. And Nothing has changed. It's yeah. a scam. And yeah. they want to kill 100 million people, just like communism did the last yes. century. And you talk about yeah. the rise of prosperity. It really took off starting around 1990, right about the time the Berlin Wall came down. And you can look at the economic development around the world that took place from 1990 to the present. That's when you really took people out of poverty because communism the bot was proven to be a false, failed system. The problem is, is we've gone one more generation and they don't know that. Yeah. A billion and a half people have been lifted out of extreme poverty since the fall of communism. It's a amazing. billion yeah. and a half. And we're on track for another billion in the next 20 years. 
And if we no don't one, screw it up. And no yeah. one talks about that because the media and all of the elites are intent on replacing that aristocracy with their own. Okay, real quick. Okay, so we can go as long as we need to. This is, this is really, really good. ESG is this, and in terms of the folks that are listening, is we know that there's real teeth to what they're trying to do. There's an actual terminus. They're 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 trying to bring about revolution just in a different way. Right. right. Is this an example of live by my rules, not by my example, like the way in which I actually live, right? Certainly I I'm gonna I'm going to expend I'm gonna have a huge carbon footprint. I just want to tell you guys what to do, right? Exactly. This, is, this is the kind of thing that, uh, going back to the example of Al Gore, right? He flies private, you know? Uh, AOC, she certainly, when it comes to her own personal life and the way in which she lives up in, uh, in her high-rise apartment, much, much different than the average or the person. the founder of Black Lives Matter buying all of these yeah, homes. Yeah, multiple properties, right? Is ESG really just a very dangerous form of virtue signaling? You think about the state of Texas, for example. Is that an ESG example when Texas looked like a third world country because they had a hard freeze and weren't, weren't ready for it? Uh, they were trying to convert their power grid into alternative energy. And then that you live in Texas, yeah. um, you know, North Texas area. You know, what was the failure in that example? Is that an example of an ESG type of... Uh, well, ESG will sell you on the idea of resilience. Yeah but they don't want to have anything to do with the fossil fuels. Right. So a small amount of money that would have winterized our, our natural gas plants and so forth, or the Secretary Perry, uh, former governor, wanted to stockpile resources at the, um, at the, at the power plants. Mm. We didn't do any of that, but we spent billions and billions of dollars on creating power lines to wind power that doesn't work. In, in extreme conditions. Or solar power that, you know, when you have snow on top of the solar panels, doesn't work in extreme conditions. We weren't doing any resilience, but it is even more hypocritical than that, far more hip. So ESG, environmental social justice and governance, pushed by BlackRock, while at the same time, they are among the heaviest investors in communist China. Right. And the Communist Chinese Party. So let's use rules for radicals, Saul Alinsky. Let's make them live by their rules. They should. China is one of the worst polluters on the planet. China is human organ harvesting. You want to talk, what's worse than Adolf Hitler? It's when instead of sending someone to the gas chamber, yeah. you send them to the hospital room and I'm going to take your kidney this time and then I'm going to come back and take your lungs and then I'm going to take your eyes and I'm going to try and take them in an order and keep you that alive, keeps you alive long yeah. enough that I can get, we, that is worse yeah. than the gas chamber. And, and corporate governance, there, there are two Chinese, our, our mutual friend Gil Emilio, f uh, former CEO of Apple, he sat on a Chinese company and he said there are always two directors sitting in the back. And he said, I didn't know who they were. I asked who they were. Oh, they're the appointed directors that had the veto power, like yes. you were mentioning. Like Mussolini, right? Yeah, from the Hitler. Chinese <clears throat> Communist Party. Yeah. There is no governance there. And so Jack Ma says something that offends uh, Xi Jinping. And the next thing you know, they, they cut off. You don't see Jack Ma for a long time. And they cut off the ant group, which is uh, something everybody was ready to invest in. So the point being, they don't allow... Uh, environment, social justice, or governance in China, and yet BlackRock says 
we're rapidly expanding in China at the same time they're lecturing us and telling us uh, virtue signaling at its very worst. Well, and coming back to resilience, you know, Texas had its issue, but how about California with rolling blackouts? Oh, yeah. Day in, day out. It's been and going on for 10 years. And not from a weather event. That's, that's a part no, of the system. No, it, rolling blackouts because California, which is one of the most energy-rich spots on the planet, has refused to build a new power plant since the 80s. So, you know, here we are a lifetime later. They have, they have the power capacity for a much smaller population, but they're mandating that after, I believe, 2030, it's illegal to sell a gasoline-powered automobile. Mm. Well, how exactly is your Tesla going to fire up if there's a blackout? And we have, we have standardized rolling blackouts every year in California now for decades. Mm. It is absolutely ridiculous and y until you realize that's by design. The environmental movement and, and the left generally has been calling for pushing people into public transportation such as the boondoggle of the high-speed rail that finally got canceled yeah. out there. They don't actually want you to have independent transportation. Wait a they second. Actually that sounds a lot like the mask mandates. It actually does. Yeah. And, and so we, we give you some reason why, but it's not the real reason why. Yeah. They have been preaching publicly. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is just reading what they say. They've been saying my entire lifetime, they want you in public transportation. They think it's more efficient. They also think it's more controllable. They'll say it's more sustainable, but of course that that's usually a red herring. And they want to crowd you into cities because, again, they hate rural America. And, you know, there was a time when they wouldn't say that openly, but they say it very openly now. Anybody watching this who doesn't understand the hate of the left for rural America needs to look at a map of the last several elections and see that rural America is overwhelmingly red right. and coastal cities are overwhelmingly blue. And then just listen to them talk about this in books like What's Wrong with Kansas and all the different things where they just, they just annihilate you know, farmers yeah. and you know, these, these awful people in quote flyover country. They, they want that to go away. And so, yeah, if you can put everybody in a car that doesn't work when we decide it just doesn't get to work, you can force people out of rural California onto the coast where their kids go to public schools that absolutely will make socialists of them right. and where they're easy to keep in line. Let me, th let me throw in a couple of things. I saw this map the other day. I don't know where it was. Somebody, it was probably Candace Owen, right? And it was like people who hate California, and it looked like a voting map, except every oh, the whole map was red except for LA County yeah. <laughs> right and up near the Sacramento region and up somewhere in the bay area of course. people who love california everybody else hates california including californians and it's because oh, yeah. of what they're what they're undergoing you just touched on something and, and kevin i want to talk to you both about this but that is this idea going back towards education um because what's really interesting is you think economically where parents are and the options that they have, uh, what this current crisis, this COVID reality that the government uh, made exponentially worse, the CDC made exponentially worse, the WHO made exponentially worse, uh, and, and by mandating these quarantines and this isolation and all these things weren't really about COVID, but were more about control, which, by the way, once you get it, you never give it up. 
Mm-hmm. Once they get it, they never give it up or give oh. it back. Once they take your freedom, they never give it back to you. Um, but when you think about education, forcing the, the homeschooling movement uh, just got a huge boost, right, uh, in PR because you saw what happened with the breakdown of the education system because the unions are saying we don't really want to work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but is there going to be economic pressure on parents to get people back, to get their children back, their students back into the public system? Well, you know, the, the, this is on so many different levels. One level is to create dependence and you how do you survive? How does their economy survive after shutting everything down? Well, government subsidies and government checks. So I got my government check. And so I can stay at home and I don't have to work and I have my kids at home. Um, yes, if people have to go back to work, what are they going to do? They have, of course, they have to have their kids going back to school. And so there are all these dynamics happening at the exact same time. All of it is what you said. It's control. And so you get a social credit score in China. We're getting social credit scores here. The vaccine passports, all of those shove people into the cities, let as many immigrants in as, as possible, overwhelm the infrastructure, force people into cities. By the way, we don't say that openly, but that's what China said openly 20 years ago. Absolutely. To take complete control of their population, to have these social credits so you can't buy or sell. You can't travel. You can't do anything without the approval. They're even looking at people's portfolios now. Merrill Lynch is looking and giving you an ESG score if you're a Merrill Lynch client. How is your portfolio conforming? And they make it all sound good. This is for your health. This is, and there are a lot of sheeple that are ready to go along with that. Right now in education, you know, the, there are very few places, Liberty University being among the very few, that stand up and say, hey, look, we're going to teach individual liberties, not collectivism. Mm. And that's really what we're talking about from education. We're talking about from investments. We're talking about it from your job. In every, it is a battle between individual responsibility and liberty mm. and collectivism. That's and right. that's all of this, every single thing. Vaccine passports on down are decide, are you a part of the collective? And I don't think the entertainment industry realizes this, but they continue to show us in entertainment what we believe is bad, which is the Borg, if you're a Star Trek fan. <laughs> or, Trekkies. Or, or, yeah. or it is Thanos. The, or, or, yeah, Thanos, Thanos who wants right. to kill half the population, or, or Hydra, or, you know, whichever. Pick, pick your genre of science fiction entertainment. They're all pushing the same thing. The collective is bad and the individual is good. And, and the same people who will watch that entertainment and, and agree with what we think will then go vote and, and spend their money with, with thinking it really is. It's a great deception. Mm. It, is, it is very odd that Hollywood does this until you realize that they actually like making money. I mean, they will right. make a thousand movies that don't make money. You know, back during the Iraq War, Stop Loss, for instance. Yeah. They knew that would be a bomb. They just wanted to make the movie. You know, I'm not saying Hollywood is our friend. And yet, when they want to make a blockbuster, when it matters they to get how. over the $1 billion mark, they actually push liberty security values. Isn't that interesting? So I just Ben Shapiro pointed this out uh, one time on a podcast that he was doing. Uh, he was reading off the last probably 15 years of Best Picture winners, right, from the, the Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts, the, the, where they had decided, they had selected the winners. 
And the winners didn't gross more collectively than say 10 or 15 million in the box, off, box office, which tells you that is a big fat flop, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't make a movie these days in under $10 million. You can't, you can't commercially promote it uh, and distribute it for less than $10 million. Um, you know, all the, the, the last time, I mean, you, you go back to when James Cameron did the, you know, Titanic, it was both a best winner, right, in terms of picture, best picture and right. winner and multiple Academy Awards, and it was popular. Uh, and so when you think about what people actually enjoy, Hollywood does know this, but they can't get past their own personal politics. They, they, they can't get over themselves. They ultimately have to. If they're not uh, indoctrinated, indoctrinating you in some way, some form or fashion, they're not fully happy. You just made a very important point, though. For the average person watching or listening to this, if you want the elite running your lives, what you're going to get are the Academy Award selected winners. Right. You're not going to get what you like, what you're interested in, what entertains you, what takes care of you. Your entire life, and that is the intention, the elite will be giving you only what they select. And their bottom line, their taste is terrible. Yeah. Awful. It's awful. And it that's is. what we get if we let the elite control us. Well, it's in line with their values. And their values like ours, you know, are very specific and they are designed, you know, based on a, a deeper worldview and that is good and right. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't begrudge them their values. I don't begrudge them their worldview. I merely note that their worldview is consistently so awful in <laughs> practice. It is so damaging and destructive when it is implemented that people actually are repelled by it when they actually have to confront the fullness and openness of it. Therefore, if it's a fair playing field, they lose. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily an election. If you have one party in power, after a while people are going to get tired of it and they're going to try the other one. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the worldview itself, not some politician running for whatever. So, so in the main, you have a worldview that not only works, but just touches people deeply. Mm -hmm. You know, just people, it's who they are. And this other worldview that ultimately has to be compelled because no one will choose it. Only a handful of people want it. And it just works out that that handful tends to be the handful that benefits the most from it because they will be empowered or their way of, of looking at the world is imposed upon all those people who don't believe the same way. And I, and I just have to say, you know, there are certainly instances in history where Christians have imposed their worldview on people and, and we don't run from that. But the truth is that Christianity is about persuasion yeah. and the left is about coercion. Mm -hmm. I mean, our Lord himself yeah. gave us a great commission which said, go out and kill anybody who isn't a Christian. No, he said, right. go and make disciples. That's right. You yeah. know, teach them. You know, it's all about persuasion. Yeah. And socialism is 
always about compulsion. Yes. And you will be made to do what we believe is right. For your safety. For your safety. For your safety. And your and right, right, right. Re final thoughts, and I, and I want to end on that kind of note, where the scriptures say, uh, come and let us reason together. Um, there, there, it is clear that there is an argument from Scripture. Uh, when we think about this, this current uh, situation that we have in cancel culture, wokeism, deconstruction, uh, there, there is a crisis of an epistemology, and ultimately the crisis comes from first knowing God. It always goes back to knowing the Lord. Um, what are some what are some adv advice you'd give our listeners, and especially to young people, uh, when it comes to knowing themselves and knowing the Lord? Well, the first thing is, is that uh, the good and noble intent of young people to be self-sacrificing and to be woke, I want everybody to vote. So the Georgia election laws, that, that good and noble intent has got to be filtered through a biblical worldview. It cannot be filtered through a uh, non-biblical worldview. It can't be filtered through your entertainment or, or, or what you're being seeing on the news or whatever. It, it has to be filtered through scripture mm -hmm. to have an understanding. So we see freedom, liberty uh, all throughout scripture. We see economic liberty all throughout scripture. And we see in the golden rule, you know, capitalism is built on this idea. I have to give you something that is of greater value to you than what you're giving me in exchange for it. And that's the fundamental basis for, for our liberty. And security and value is the same thing. They've got to be filtered through that biblical worldview. Apart from that, the good intentions are only going to lead to our slavery. Yeah. And, and that, that happens every time. I would, I would point out that Nietzsche was right. I mean, Nietzsche was horribly wrong in a thousand ways and deeply opposed to Christianity, but he was absolutely right when he said that the instant you give up the Christian God, you give up any right to Christian morality. Yes. The idea that you can step away from Christianity and continue to have a society that looks like a Christian society where the individual has dignity and worth and where life is cherished and where the, the weak are actually exalted and the strong have a duty to serve them, that all goes away. And the entire history of the world has been the opposite, as you would expect in a world dominated by Satan. Because in the world that existed before Christianity, the strong rule the weak and the weak serve the strong. And to the degree there are remnants of that in the world, that is a failure of sinful man to truly love his neighbor as himself. So, so if you want to go into this socialist night, you may rest assured that it will be entirely about the strong ruling, not serving the weak, and that's what we've seen in every socialist society that has ever existed. We see, and we see it even today, in what passes for women's sports. We have now abolished women. We have put, you know, you decide you're a girl because you can't beat the fastest runner. And so now you're a girl, but, and you can win the gold medal and beat all the girls. And what happens to the real girls? What happens to the ones who cannot physically compete with you? It is the exact equivalent of putting a heavyweight boxing champion in a featherweight match. It is wrong. It's like having an NFL team 
play a junior varsity team. It's just wrong. We have these categories for a reason so that everyone can compete and it can be fair for all to have a chance to maximize their gifts that God has given them. The, the last thing I would say on this is honestly that Jesus Christ is real, that he's true, Amen. that his promises are faithful, and that he changed my life and he can change yours, and you need to trust my Jesus. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He paid the price that you could live because you are guilty. You were born in sin and you are a sinner, and that is treason against the king of the universe, and Jesus paid the price for that to be forgiven. So trust him and become his and love him. And your world, regardless of the rest of the world, will become infinitely, infinitely better. Mm, amen. Let's, let's wrap on that note. Kevin Freeman, with the e host of the Economic War Room on Blaze TV, thank you so much. Rod Martin, founder, CEO of the Martin Group, thank you again uh, to both of you. I know the world makes a whole lot more sense when you guys are talking, so I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for all you mean for freedom. Thank you for standing for freedom and for being on the Standing for Freedom podcast here at Liberty University. Thank you. Thanks, Rod.